Welcome to Get Your Goal with Paula B. I'm your host, Paula B. I'm a weight loss and menopause expert, certified life coach, and author of the book, Mind Over Menopause. On this podcast, we dive deep into the mindset tools and proven Get Your Goal formula that will help you lose weight for the last time. Are you ready to get your goal? Me too. Let's go. Are you ready to learn how to lose weight, love your body, and embrace life after 50 with a powerful new mindset? Mind Over Menopause, the new book by weight loss life coach Paula Bowers, is publishing June 27th, 2023 in hardback, digital, and audio formats. Pre-order now at getyourgoal.com slash mind dash over dash menopause. Hello, hello, girlfriend, and welcome to episode number 290, where we're learning how to lose weight. And thank you for clicking on this one, especially if your first thought upon reading the title was something like, gee, Paula doesn't know how to talk. No, that one was probably not your first thought, but it might have been because sometimes, sometimes I struggle, but especially if your first thought was something like, I already know how to lose weight because my friend, let me tell you something. If you have weight to lose currently, if you're trying to lose weight, if you are on your weight loss journey, then you actually still have something to learn. And I, today in this podcast, have the exact thing to teach you. And even if, on the other hand, if your first thought was something like, oh, thank goodness, I have no idea how to lose weight. You know what? I have something to teach you too. And weirdly, it's the same thing. And in both cases, it's probably not what you think. We're not really diving into like the nuts and the bolts of weight loss today or even the science behind it because you can get all of that in my free weight loss program, the 5-0 method. And you can download that from getyourgoal.com. And I also have a really good podcast. It is episode number 257 and it's called How to Lose Weight. And you can go listen to that along with this one. And there's a link in the show notes or the description box that'll take you right to it. But even better than reciting facts and science, today I'm actually going to point out how both of those thoughts, I already know how to lose weight and I don't have a clue how to lose weight, aren't really serving you. And then I'm going to offer you the most powerful mindset shift that will teach you everything that you need to know about losing weight. That's like a big promise, right? I know. Well, stay tuned because I'm going to deliver on it. Okay. So first up, telling yourself that you already know how to lose weight. It sounds on the surface like such a good thing, right? Like when you go through the two-step tool of finding your thoughts and deciding if they're helpful, This one sounds helpful. Like, you know about how menopause has changed weight loss, you know, how like with dwindling estrogen and rising cortisol, how you can't just eat less and move more anymore. And you understand the science of how eating in a slight caloric deficit over time is the way that your body releases weight. And you know that the five tasks that we do every day, journaling, eating your calorie target, drinking your water, sleeping and exercising moderately. I mean, this is all really good stuff. You know how to lose weight. And yet, here you are getting the five tasks done, understanding the science behind them, but maybe not losing weight. Whether you're aware of it or not, here's why. Yes, you're checking the boxes and technically completing the tasks, but maybe you're doing something like kind of squeaking in on the calories or tracking 
let's say most of them, or you're getting to bed more or less on time, or you're exercising like just a teeny bit over your moderate, but it's still moderate. You could still do it every day. But here's the thing. Yes, you're doing the tasks because you know how to lose weight. But what is also going on is that you are either a little or a lot frustrated and feeling some resentment. The way that you might present this to me or on Facebook or to your friends or your family or whatever is by saying something like, I don't get it. I'm doing all the right things to lose weight, but the scale just isn't moving. Does that sound very familiar to you right now? Yes. (laughs) Yes, me too. I know. I'm the one who hears this. So here's the thing. From that place, I have seen clients go a couple of different ways. Some women will just straight up quit what they're doing and go back to the drawing board to look for another program. This is probably the thing that I see most frequently. Some will linger and keep trying and just kind of quietly simmer that they're not getting the results that they want. And some will just get really angry and bitter that nothing ever seems to work out for them. And those are the ones that start blaming me or the program or their body or other people or circumstances or whatever. And the thing about any of these ways that this might go for you is that the thought stays the same, that they know how to lose weight, but it just isn't working. And it is so hard to be in this position. I've actually been here many, many years ago when I was in my early 20s. We've talked about this. I've talked about my weight loss journey a couple of times, how I was what I would consider myself kind of a cereal dieter, a yo-yo dieter, somebody who could lose weight but would always gain it back. Well, I was also what you might call a program hopper. (laughs) You might not call it that. I do. I mean, I do now as a weight loss coach. At the time, I didn't see it that way at all. I really, truly thought that I was looking for the program that would work. As a weight loss coach now, though, this is something that I see all the time. When I was young and like desperate to lose weight and really thought I knew what to do, I jumped around from diet to diet and program to program. And honestly, for the life of me, I could not figure out the way none of them worked the way they were supposed to. I mean, you see the ads and other people are getting results. You go to the meetings and other people are losing weight. (laughs) You have somebody in your own home, like your sister, who does not seem to struggle with their weight. Like, it just drove me bananas. I would go full steam ahead for at least a few weeks. And then I would just, I would fizzle out when I wasn't losing or... I mean, more than likely the case was that I wasn't losing fast enough. Honestly, I have no idea whether or not I lost weight. I just know that it wasn't fast enough for me. And then, I mean, after just a couple of months, I would always quit. Or to be more clear, I would quit following the diet or the program, but I did not quit complaining about my weight and wishing that I could get it right. That was the through line from, oh my gosh, my first diet at nine years old until well, until probably within the past 10 years, where I would still, no matter whether or not I was dieting, I was thinking about dieting and I was complaining about my weight and wishing that I could get it right. And at the time, so I was still really young. So to the best of my memory, I didn't really blame my body the way it's so easy to do now that we're menopausal. I've had clients who have done this though. I've heard of women who 
who really just felt that puberty was the problem. Like as soon as they started getting periods, their, their body was just ruined. Or as soon as they had kids, their body was, you know, working against them instead of for them. For me at the time when I was young, that was not my go-to. I definitely blamed myself though. Like not my body self, but like my personality or my character or, you know, my essence. I thought for sure that I personally was too lazy or too stupid to figure it out. And I also definitely 100% blamed the diets and the programs for not working. At the time, I really believed, and I suspect that you might currently believe that there was some magical combination of things to do that would turn the weight loss faucet on. And we're socialized to believe this, of course, and it shows up when you think you don't know how to lose weight, too. Thinking that you don't know how to lose weight presents as confusion or overwhelm or doubt. It presents like asking a lot of questions without maybe really implementing any or most of the answers, because you sort of think that that must not be it. And let me pause here for a second. For those of you who are listening who are like, but wait, I feel all of that. I'm angry and frustrated and confused and overwhelmed. And I definitely know the mechanics of how to lose weight, but also I have doubts about every program I've ever tried. (laughs) Yes, this is what happens. And I promise by the end of this episode, my big promise, you'll have the answer to all of it. Because this is actually what happened to me when I started to write a book, this thing about I don't know how. I've known I wanted to be a writer since I was a little kid. I wrote my first, we'll just call it a novel. It was probably like three pages long, but I wrote my first novel when I was maybe seven or eight years old. I think I was eight. And I also, I used to make like a little family newspaper Again, it probably only lasted a couple of weeks, but in my mind, I was like this news reporter. I was the hard-hitting news reporter of the Craig family, (laughs) and my newspaper came out every Sunday, no matter what, (laughs) or probably at least one Sunday. And I mean, I literally played with the typewriter as often as any toy. I loved, I loved writing. My parents even bought me this cute little charm necklace. It was a little gold typewriter. I wish I still had that. I have no idea whatever happened to it. And I totally wish that it was in my box of childhood treasures, but it is not. I have looked. The thing is, I am an avid reader. I'm a writer. And over the years, I've read, oh gosh, at least a good handful of like how to write a novel books. I had big plans of being a writer when my kids were little which went absolutely nowhere. (laughs) But here's the thing. Deciding to write a nonfiction book is actually very different from like my entire childhood and let's call it young adulthood of wanting to be a writer because there is truly a different way to go about getting it published. So that was like the seed of my, oh, I have no idea. I don't know how to write. I don't know how to do this. But here's the thing. I spun out on this I don't know thing for nearly three years. Three years I was telling myself that I didn't know how to write a book. I asked my friend Lori, who is a published nonfiction author and currently completing her first novel, for help. And she gave me like tons of advice. Like I had resources. She sent me examples of book proposals, which is what you do for nonfiction. I don't know if you know this and it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to tell you anyways. 
With fiction, you have the whole manuscript written before you start submitting to agents and publishers. But with nonfiction, you do a proposal. It's basically like a business plan. Like, here's the book I'm going to write, and that's what sells them on it. So you don't even have to write a book before you write a book. So, I mean, my friend, she offered me her process. She sent me her nonfiction book. I mean, she literally told me exactly what to do. And hello, Google exists. There is no shortage of information on the internet on how to write a book proposal. I watched YouTube videos. I read blogs. I completely and absolutely immersed myself in information. But in my mind, I had no idea how to write a book. I just, I had no clue. I kept doing all of the actions, like I made an outline, I used index cards for subtopics, or subtopics is the word I'm trying to say there. I opened up Google Docs. Oh my gosh, I had so many Google Docs titled book. (laughs) So funny to me now. And I mean, I would sit in the chair and just like start writing, like... There's nothing about it that I didn't know how to do, but I still just had this huge disconnect. I was doing the things and still not knowing how to write a book. So somehow, gee, I have no idea how or why (laughs) a book was not getting written. In over two years, I produced pages and pages and hundreds of index cards and many many Google Docs of basically unusable crap. I mean, very little. I'm going to say, oh gosh, maybe a couple hundred words of what I had written made it into the final book. But then, so here's what happened. I hired a coach and I learned the incredibly simple, but absolutely life-changing mindset shift that I'm going to teach you right now. Here it is. Are you ready? Getting the result you want doesn't happen because of what you're doing. You get the result you want because of how you feel when you're doing those things. There is no magic formula. There's no thing that works or doesn't work. Anything works when you feel good doing the things. Let me say it again, really specific to weight loss. You don't lose weight because you're doing the five tasks every day. You lose weight when you feel good about those five tasks. I'm gonna let you absorb that while I give you some really concrete examples of how this worked out for me in so many areas of my life before I was even able to articulate it and afterwards. So in 2009, I trained for and then ran, I'm going to put it with a little asterisk here, my first marathon. Here's the thing. I was in fabulous shape. I was still very young. And I mean, gosh, 2009, I was 39. Well, I was 39 and then turning 40 at the end of the year. So still (laughs) so young. (laughs) I had been running for at least a couple of years already. I started running in I think 2006. So I was like three years in. I was, I mean, physically, I was 100% capable of completing a marathon. So I got a training plan and I ran all the runs on it. And I was, technically speaking, completely ready for the marathon. But on race day, 
oh my gosh, on race day, I fell apart. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I completely fell apart and I ended up quitting at mile 20. I was a wreck that day. I had spent the entire training cycle just agonizing over the runs. They were all hard. I was plagued with self-doubt. There were quite a few of the long runs that I just didn't finish. I remember calling my husband and being like, hey, come pick me up. I'm at, you know, mile 18 of the 20 that I had planned. I was basically miserable the whole time. I was excited about running a marathon and there was part of me that knew I could, but also there was part of me that knew I couldn't. But here's the thing. I kept pushing through because, well, because hello, I had a training plan. (laughs) That's how you run a marathon, right? You just, you do the training and then you run the race. But here's the thing. For a couple of weeks after that DNF, which stands for did not finish, that's what they write in the official race results online. I kind of, I sat with myself and I really turned it all around in my head. Like, what had I done that didn't work? How could I fix this? What could I do differently next time? Because I knew there was going to be a next time. I mean, I knew I could run a marathon, but I knew also that I couldn't. And here's the thing. This was long before I was doing any kind of like official mindset work. I was, I mean, this was years before I became a life coach. This was, I think, before I started doing money mindset work, maybe right around the time that I was doing money mindset work. So it wasn't like official mindset stuff, but I was maybe on the verge of understanding mindset. So what I discovered in there, in my completely uncoached brain, was that I really didn't think that I could finish a marathon. I thought I could run one, but I didn't think I could finish one. I fundamentally believed that I was the sort of person who quit everything. And I had lots of evidence for that. I have quit colleges. I have quit t-ball. I have quit relationships. I have quit lots of things in my life that I still believed at that time. But when I was doing that unofficial but official mindset work, I discovered that I also definitely wasn't the sort of person who quit everything. I mean, at that point, like I said, I had several years of running experience. So I actually had a lot of evidence that I was capable of following a training plan and completing a run or a race the way that I wanted to. I had tons of evidence that I finished things. I mean, plus I had had 20 years of marriage and kids to prove that I could stick to things when I wanted to. So As soon as I dug up that old thought of how I supposedly quit, you know, quote unquote, everything, it was actually really easy to just let it go. Like, I'm not a quitter. So I embarked almost immediately on another training plan and not another training plan, another training cycle with the exact same plan. And this time, interestingly, the runs were all awesome. They were effortless. I knew deep in my bones that I had dug up the thing that was stopping me. I knew deep in my bones that this marathon was happening. I was completing it. I wasn't going to quit because I don't quit. I felt, this is how it applies to what we were talking about, I felt committed and certain and really open to the possibilities of finishing a marathon. 
And no surprises here. Two months after my DNF, I actually, or I ran my actual <laughs> first marathon. No asterisks. I finished that one with a smile on my face. Same exact training plan. I was doing the same things that I had done for the first marathon, the first one with the asterisk, but I got two very different outcomes because of the very different feelings fueling the tasks. Here's another one. You've already heard most of the story about how I struggled for years to write a book. That's what we were just talking about. So let me finish it up by telling you what happened after I hired a coach. First of all, just the decision to hire a coach like at all came from a completely different feeling than all of the wallowing and confusion I'd been doing for two years prior. I mean, just by looking her up on the internet, I was already in a place where what I was feeling was committed. I remember, actually, I vividly remember looking her up. I had been I had been wallowing in the confusion, the doubt, the overwhelm. I had been trying to write, and I had this thought, oh, I could just hire a coach. <laughs> it sounds so funny to me now because it's so obvious, but I literally had not had that thought for the two years prior that writing a book had been on my vision board, that I had been planning on writing a book, that I had been trying to write a book, that I had been suffering through writing a book, it just occurred to me, because I was already a life coach at this point, like, like, hello, you hire a coach to help you get a result you want in your life. Like, duh, I do this for a living. <laughs> it was so funny to me. And so as soon as I had that thought, I was like, oh, oh, of course I can do this. And of course I'll get the result that I want. Like, this is how this works. <laughs> so anyways, at our first meeting, she does what coaches do. She had me describe in detail what I wanted from our coaching. Oh my gosh, I cried my eyes out, picturing me holding a copy of my traditionally published book in my hands, which by the way, I already have my first copy of my book. It's so amazing. It's such an amazing moment. And here's the thing. As soon as she and I were even talking about it, it was the first time in, what, 45 plus years, it felt possible. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, this is why I'm telling you this story is because unlike the marathon training, which I love that story and I remember, I mean, First of all, it was a much longer time ago, so I might be embellishing how easy the training plan was and how much it was all effortless and la la la, but also I was younger. But here's the thing. I, I want you to know that simply having a different feeling about the tasks doesn't necessarily make it all amazing because the writing of the book, the actual writing of the book, did not feel effortless. I struggled. There were many tears during coaching. There were many tears during the writing of the proposal. There were many tears while I was querying agents, which is a thing that you do. And weirdly, there were no tears when I was out for submission with editors. For whatever reason, it literally didn't occur to me that somebody wasn't going to pick up my book. I didn't think it was possible. I just kind of assumed that my agent would keep selling it until it sold. Apparently, that's not really a thing, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, once I have an agent, then I'm going to write a book. Like, to me, it was completely done. Talk about a good feeling fueling the actions. I, there was no doubt. There was nothing. So anyways, 
There were many, many, many tears, again, during the actual writing of the book. There was nothing about writing my book, which, by the way, I've mentioned the word book numerous times in this podcast. Let me give you a quick shameless plug. Mind Over Menopause comes out June 27th, and you can pre-order on my website at getchogoal.com slash mind dash over dash menopause. There's a link, of course, in the show notes or the description. You guys, I wrote a book. Like, I cried about it and struggled through it, but I wrote a book. And even though there was nothing easy about it, there was also none of the tears that I cried while I was writing were, were from anything like frustration or confusion. I should probably amend that. Some of them probably were, but I'm going to say 99.9% of the tears that I cried were tears of transformation. Like, I literally stripped away years of thinking of myself as stupid and incapable and unlikable. I let go of thinking that I was weird and unrelatable. I let go of everything, everything that had held me back. I came to my writing every single day feeling love for myself and for you, the reader of the book. I loved myself so, so deeply while I was doing the tasks. And that, let me actually clarify that because when I'm telling you the story about how I cried the entire time I was writing the book, I never cried while I was writing it. I cried while I was trying to write it. I cried while I was figuring out why I wasn't writing. I cried while I figured out how to put it all together. Like the crying and the transformation all took place in my journal. And therefore, the actual writing time really was kind of effortless. I actually can really relate that to the running of the training runs of the marathon. The writing itself felt so different because of all the transformation that I was going through outside of the writing. Here's the thing. Every single word in that book came from a feeling of love, a desire to be helpful, and this certainty of like, this is who I am. I'm a writer. I think that so often now, like every time I sit down to write an email, every time I sit down to write out an outline for the podcast, I'm just, I'm a writer. It's just who I am now. And that's <laughs> weirdly makes writing so much easier and so much more productive and gets me the result I want than all those years that I spent telling myself, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm unsure. I can't figure this out. Here's the thing. It's the same task. I put words onto the page until it creates a book, but it came with a very different outcome when I had very different feelings. In between the marathon and the book is a story that's maybe a little bit more relatable here on a weight loss podcast <laughs> because it's from when I was trying to lose weight. So when I was in my late 40s and perimenopause was like really making changes in my body, I had put back on 
about 10 pounds. And I say back again, I'm not, I am. I was historically a person that was really interesting. And I'm definitely going to journal about that later. Don't mind me verbally journaling right now about the I am that just came out of my mouth because I don't consciously hear I am a person who gains and loses weight. That's super funny. Anyways, I was a person who gained and lost weight numerous times in my life. And (laughs) up until my late 40s, what I was doing was working and it was all good and it was fantastic. But then I put on this weight from a combination of like over-exercising and unintentionally under-eating. Actually, let me rephrase that one too. They were both unintentional because the exercise that I had been doing until perimenopause really came knocking at my door. It was perfectly fine. Like in my mid 40s, when I was running ultra marathons and training hard and running fast, my body handled it. But then my estrogen started not even dipping necessarily, it just started getting more sporadic. I figured out eventually that I wasn't recovering as fast as I used to, which is exactly what happens in menopause and the thing that we talk about, not necessarily in this podcast, but a lot of other times. So I was still training the way that I was when I was younger. And at the same time, for possibly the same reason where your body just starts reacting differently to exercise, I stopped having hunger cues. And that part was really unusual for me because I historically for, you know, 15 years of running and having a fantastic metabolism, I was hungry, not all the time, but like I felt hunger. And I noticed in my late forties that I really didn't feel hungry anymore. And this is something that can happen when you're over-exercising at any age, but really specifically, it's something that I think of as part and parcel of the changes that come along with menopause with over-exercising and under-eating is that your hunger cues just change. And it's a topic for, it's a topic for another day. It's just good information to have. You can tuck that in your back pocket. Anyways, the first time that I lost the 10 menopausal pounds, and yes, that's foreshadowing, I actually felt really desperate almost the entire time. I was really just starting to understand how menopause was changing my personal body. And I was doing the five tasks. I mean, (laughs) let me be very clear here. My five tasks. I was following my own plan, the 5-0 method. (laughs) You would think that I would feel amazing about that, right? But what I felt almost the entire time was angry. And let let me just pause here really quickly. This is why I'm giving you this podcast today. Just because you and I know how to lose weight, I know, I know how hard it is when your body is changing. I know that you feel angry. I was too. I was so angry at my body and I was so sad that I couldn't do what I used to do, like exercise-wise specifically and eating-wise. I went through a little bit of sadness about that too. Like I used to be able to eat a lot. I used to be hungry all the time. My body was different. (laughs) I had, here's the thing. I had literally, when I started losing weight this particular time, I had literally just run a 50 mile race. That was who I was. And now for weight loss, I was walking like two miles a day. I felt so sorry for myself. 
I was sad. I was angry. I was self-pitying. It was rough. (laughs) And here's the thing. Let me also tell you, I felt very determined to, like, I wanted to lose the weight. I felt committed to following the process. I felt curious, like, professionally curious to see what weight loss would be like for me as a weight loss coach. I wanted to be able to tell you stories about losing weight, ironically, maybe not ironically, interestingly now. At the time, I did kind of tell you guys stories about, like, oh, here's how I'm losing weight. I remember trying really hard to put a spin on it. Not necessarily like, oh, this is so easy, or this is so glamorous, or this is no big deal. But I remember not getting super vulnerable at the time with, to be fair, I was going to say I wasn't vulnerable at the time about how angry I was. I didn't actually recognize how angry I was, even in the moment, until a little bit further on. I'm giving you more foreshadowing. I'll tell you, I didn't resolve the anger until the second time that I lost the menopausal weight. So so the first time, I was just feeling all those feelings. I was just feeling the anger and the sadness and the self-pity. And yes, I was examining it, but also in a very real sense, I just wasn't. I just wasn't. Y'all, it happens. This is why I have no judgment for you. I really, I have no judgment for you when you can't see it, when you're in the middle of it. I didn't see it either. It's, it's hard and it's worthwhile to keep working on this and keep coming back to your journal so that you can see. Because those feelings, they're the things that are stopping you. Anyways, getting ahead of myself. So I felt a lot of different feelings and I want to parse out for you because on any given day, you personally might feel pretty okay about your tasks, and that might be why you're able to lose at least some of the weight that you want to lose. This is how I lost the weight. I mean, I felt okay, but here's what happened. I'm going to say two seconds. It wasn't two seconds. It was actually like three days, but more or less immediately after I saw that goal weight on the scale, I went directly back to everything that I had been doing, all of the over-exercising, all of the under-eating. And again, not necessarily intentionally on either one of those things. It was a level of exercise that I thought I could still do because I had been. And the loss of hunger cues is so subtle. It's worthy of an entire podcast one of these days, and I'm going to put it on my list. I did not intentionally say to myself, gee, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to over-exercise and (laughs) under-eat. But it is what I did. (laughs) And the thing is, I mean, I'm laughing now because it's been a couple years, but within three months, I had 10 pounds to lose again. I put it all back on. And here's the thing. I wallowed in that one for a while, if I'm being completely honest. Because, I mean, at this point, why wouldn't I be completely honest? And this was the thing that changed everything. I finally just got curious. Like, I spent a couple of months just being like, I hate this. Everything sucks. I don't know what to do. I mean, all the things that we've talked about on this podcast, all, all of the things that you might be thinking, I've thought them all. I really have. But here's what changed for me. I got curious and I decided to just soften myself to all of it. Like, I understood that there was something, not that I was missing, but that there was something that I could feel that I just wasn't accessing, that I was so caught up in 
the self-pity and the sadness and the anger and the frustration and the confusion, that there had to be something else that was available to me that I could tap into on purpose. And curiosity is almost always my gateway there. And as soon as I decided to just soften myself to, to all of it, to menopause, to weight loss, to my business and my life and grief and relationships and just like literally everything. I just softened myself. I allowed things to be what they are. Not coincidentally, this is around the same time that I decided to just go ahead and certify as a life coach because I understood that there was something for me that I was ready to learn really specifically the tools of life coaching, but also about myself. And here's the thing. It still took me nine months to lose those 10 pounds. (laughs) Like, Like letting go of the anger, feeling all the way through it, feeling the sadness, feeling the grief. It wasn't like fast. This, it wasn't like, this is the thing that I often want to say to you and sometimes don't. So I'm just going to say it to you today. I don't like promising you fast weight loss because your body is really truly going to do what it's going to do. But when you sit with your feelings and sit with your self-awareness and sit with your journal, it is significantly faster than quitting, which is what you could do instead, what lots of us do instead. So yes, it took me nine months to lose 10 pounds, but that was way faster than just being like, well, F it. I put on menopausal weight and this is my life now. And I guess I'm just going to be angry and sad forever. And I don't want to oversell this (laughs) about how it was difficult in the moment because it was. Some of the feelings, some of the feelings felt very uncomfortable. And you will notice that on your journey too. When, When you feel the uncomfortable feelings of anger and sadness and grief, it's, it's tough, but it's also only tough for two minutes. And then And then you can let go of those old thoughts that don't serve you anymore. It's really gratifying work to dig up your old feelings that have been driving your old actions and just let them go. Let them go. Be available for a different feeling fueling the tasks that drive weight loss. So here's your takeaway my friends. You do know what you need to know about weight loss. And if you don't, just go download the 5.0 method and listen to the other podcast. (laughs) Because I mean, seriously, the science is actually really, really simple. And you can learn more. The thing about this is that this is really gratifying work. And that is actually the feeling that I think fuels almost everything that I do now. Really specifically, it fueled my final weight loss, and it's the thing that has kept the weight off, is gratitude. I Every single day, I'm so grateful for my menopausal body now. It's taught me everything, like literally everything. It's amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's adaptable and changeable. My menopausal body is who I want to be when I grow up. My menopausal body just does what she needs to do. Here's the thing, my friends. You can learn two things from this podcast. First of all, 
you can learn which feelings are not driving weight loss for you, which is to say you get out your journal, you find out what you're thinking and you're feeling right now. And second, you can learn which feelings are going to drive sustainable weight loss for you. You heard my stories. Some of the feelings that fueled my greatest successes were things like commitment, certainty, curiosity, openness, and gratitude. Those feelings and more, anything you want, is available to you. So my friend, stop thinking so hard about what you're doing and start paying attention to how you're feeling when you're doing those things. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope this was helpful for you today. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review so other women of a certain age can stop struggling with the scale and start loving their menopausal bodies. And if you're ready to change your mindset while you're changing your weight, then it's time to get into the Get Your Goal Mastermind group, where you'll find my proven success formula, answers to your questions, expert coaching, and the community support you've been looking for. You don't need to lose weight alone when you can have fun and level up your mindset with friends. With weekly coaching calls, live journaling classes, and access to the tools and strategies I've used to help thousands of women lose weight for the last time, the Get Your Goal group is the place for you to get your goal. Learn more about group membership at www.getyourgoal.com. And I'll see you inside the group. 